Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers Sunday Sermon. This is 4S. I'm David Johnson. Let's get started. Hi guys, Pastor Matt Chandler here. Pray uh, that this sermon, this resource, uh, be used by God in conjunction with you belonging to a local church uh, to grow you and sanctify you in your faith. If these resources bless you, would you consider giving back to us here at TBC? You can do that either through the app or you can go online to TBC Resources uh, and give there. Again, pray that this blesses you and grows you in your love for Jesus Christ. So, sorry about the commercial. I just thought I would play it this time so that you can understand that churches aren't just putting their sermons out on the internet for, you know, altruistic reasons. They're not just trying to save souls. They're growing their ministry. They want you to give them money. They all do. So, uh, at any rate, besides that... I actually like Pastor uh, Chandler. I like his style. He's, uh, you know, as far as, you know, someone who can talk for a half hour to an hour and hold your attention, he's uh, someone who can do that. So students of homiletics, take note. And I don't know that he does all of the homiletic things just right, but public speaking is about more than homiletics, even though it's literally what it is. Um it's not just being a technician of the tools. So there's a, there's a certain style and verb that goes with it. And uh, whatever it is, Chandler's got it. And thank goodness, because he's going to talk to us about uh, something that we don't hear a lot of. This sermon is specifically geared toward the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. No, not the crazy stuff that the Holy Spirit does. Well, I'll let him tell you about it. It's it's about the person of the Holy Spirit. The person, you know, the Holy Spirit, he's his, he's his pal, his bud, his dude. <laughs> At any rate, if, uh, if you're a little bit unclear of what um, mainstream Christians think about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, not merely the power. Let's uh, listen to Pastor Chandler as he holds forth. For the last three years, uh, I have felt significantly provoked um, by the times in which we live. All right? and, and what I've been provoked by, I'm not going to say anything that you haven't heard me saying for the last three years, is I am provoked and confident that the church of Jesus Christ is built for a moment like this. Like we're built for it, put together by for it, that, that you and I don't, don't need to be anxious or afraid, but need to step into and embrace uh, the call of God on our life, both corporately as a community and individually as a son or daughter of God on high. And, and so I believe it. It's in my bones. And so one of the ways I've tried to help us over the last three years is by trying to draw your attention to the reality that there's an enemy behind your enemy. You tracking with me out? There's an enemy behind your enemy. The, the church is really, the church at large in the United States is really uh, getting twisted right now and, and, and confused and deceived as we are walking through the book of Revelation. We saw. Okay, um, before we walk through the book of Revelation, pray that it be a quick walk. Um, 
There's an enemy behind your enemy. Are you tracking with him? Well, Pastor Chandler, I don't know that I am tracking with you. Now, I can guess at what you mean. If I had to take my best guess, and apparently I do, I think the enemy behind your enemy is the devil. I think that's who he's talking about, or, or demons, you know, the demonic sphere. It's so baked into the Christian ideology that they can make a vague illusion in that way, and Christians know immediately what they're talking about. Non-Christians, you're scratching your head. You know, first of all, who's my enemy? Um, I don't actually have any enemies. I'll be honest with you. I, I, um, I've been doing this for several years now, and I'm sure there are people who don't like me. And if, if I wasn't so forgetful, I'm pretty sure I could think of some people that I don't like. In fact, I'm pretty sure I could think of some people that I hate. But I don't really have any of what I would think of as enemies. And I don't know, maybe Christians just have more enemies than everybody else. And so uh, it's easier for them to think of who their enemies are. But as a non-Christian, it seems like when I left Christianity... I suddenly had fewer enemies. <laughs> so, um, do you have any enemies? I mean, what does the word even mean to you? Um, Jesus said to love them. So, I mean, he had some enemies in mind. Um, I, from, from my thinking, if you love your enemies, you fundamentally have a misapprehension of what enemies are. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. Uh, so do you have enemies? Who are your enemies? I mean, you don't have to call them by name, but I mean, tell me about your enemies. Who do you think my enemies are? <laughs> Maybe jog my memory. I have no idea who I would put in the enemy category. I'm just wondering if that's because I'm weird or if there's a difference between uh, the way skeptics view enemies and the way Christians view enemies. And maybe we skeptics don't have enemies because we are the enemy. <laughs> you know? So uh, I, just, I, don't, I don't understand who the first enemy would be. But whoever the enemy is, he believes it is self-evident that you have an enemy behind your enemy. Hmm. That what the enemy does is he lies, he distracts, he twists. And so, um, man, I've seen kind of uh, the latest data on what's happened. Okay, sorry. I can't, get, I can't quite get over, over this. I'm thinking about the uh, episode, uh, one of the last episodes, maybe the next to the last episode of the regular um, run of Skeptics and Seekers before it became 4S. Uh, we did a show on demons and the devil, and we did that show with uh, Christians. There was a Christian show, and there was the atheist show. The atheist show was off the chain, as as you might can imagine. Um, one of the greatest pieces of broadcast ever done, in my opinion. Uh, the Christian show, though, uh, this is when I was trying to take the subject as seriously as I could, and I ask the Christians on the panel, how does Satan do anything that he does? What, I mean, this preacher just said it, just made a statement as if it were self-evident again. And I don't, I think that Christians never take the 
next step of asking the question. So he says that, you know, the enemy, speaking of the devil, I'm pretty sure, he lies and he twists. How does he lie? How does the devil lie? Does he have a mouth? Is he talking to some? Is there someone on earth that the devil can say things to clearly and that the person can hear audibly and the person then agrees to do the devil's bidding and tell these lies? How does he get the lie into the world is what I'm trying to ask. You know, if the devil is walking around in a human suit and he can walk and talk and do things, okay, I can understand that. But that doesn't seem to be the idea that Christians have of the devil. He can't do that. Well, does he sneak into your mind and do telepathy? You know, he, he sneaks past your conscious to your subconscious. So he tells you lies that you believe and then you lie about it. I mean, is that how it happens? And for the devil to tell kind of a universal lie, he would have to pick someone that's pretty universally known and listened to. So, uh, you know, if the devil tells me a lie and then I spread it, my audience is pretty relatively small. It doesn't matter. So if you're going to spread a lie to the whole world, I mean, you've got to you've got to tell the same lie to a lot of people like me, an awful lot, you know, millions of them. Or maybe you tell the lie to one person whose reach is so broad and so vast and his word is so unquestioned that people just believe it. I don't I don't understand how the devil lies. Because he's there and we're here. And if he is here and he's like God and he's a spirit, he's not doing anything directly. And if he doesn't have a body and a mouth and he can't do telepathy, how does any of this work? How does any of this work? Post-COVID, and this will just tell you, I think, how broken and, and how unaware of just basic Orthodox Christian faith the church in America has become. Um, what we're learning uh, right now in the data is that Christians uh, post-pandemic, a lot of them are picking churches not based on theology, but ideology. So they are literally leaving churches that are orthodox and gospel preaching and instead finding a, a church that lines up with their ideology rather than their theology. Right? That's deceit. That's being twisted. That's when you're like, don't really care about what you ultimately believe about the saving, atoning work of Christ and Orthodox Christian Church. What I want is I want you to line up with me ideologically so I don't have to feel uncomfortable around people that disagree with me. Okay, this is this. You hear this a lot of times when preachers want to sound like Old Testament prophets and start bashing believers. But this is just. this is just nonsense. This is ad hominem, and it makes no sense at all if you stop and analyze it. Okay, so uh, you're a Christian. Uh, put yourself in that place if you're not a Christian. You're a Christian, you're a believer, um, you, you love Jesus, and you're doing the best you can to understand uh, his truths, his teachings. But his teachings are so vague you don't really understand them. And you go from church to church trying to find one that explains it to you well. And one church says this and another church that says that. And another major mainstream preacher says that. A mainstream academic says something uh, utterly uh, counter to that. You have no idea which is the true version of the truth. You don't, you have no idea. You don't know. Uh, And that's not your fault. And you shouldn't let any preacher convince you that you are doing something wrong because you don't understand, right? So, uh, yeah, you might 
have be in one church and they're preaching a doctrine that more and more seems wrong with you. It seems to con- clash to clash with your moral understanding. And if you talk to certain Christians, your moral conscience is uh, that which is informed by the Holy Spirit. And so you find a church that more matches with that. It matches with your moral conscience. It matches with the church community. It matches with uh, your understanding of the reading of Scripture. And so maybe you go there. That doesn't mean you're leaving orthodoxy to go chase something that tickles your ears. You are doing your damnedest to find the truth. And so when, when preachers talk this way, I just bristle a little bit because it, they, they make it sound like, yeah, this is obviously the truth over here. And that stuff over there is obviously a lie. And you're just going over there to the lie because you hate truth. That's bullshit. Now, how in the world are we supposed to punch the sa- Satan in the mouth if that's how we're building uh, our battalions? Are we, are we supposed to punch Satan in the mouth? Right? Like, I, I'll tell you, that's the way you get your teeth kicked in. Right? By, by weak ideological bonds. I ain't trying to link up with anybody on weak ideological bonds. I, I want the beautiful... That's got to be the name of this episode, right? <laughs> I can't get past it. Punching Satan in the mouth. Steely, impossible to break bonds of the Godhead. He wants the steely bonds. And that's what we're going to try to build on. Now, um... I mean, he's, he really wants those steely, those steely bonds. <laughs> I say distraction is a primary enemy right now because if I were to ask you, if we were to sit down and we were to have a conversation, I was like, what do you think the, the problem in the big C church is right now? I mean, we'd be like, oh, the increase of secularization. We don't know what to do with the sexual ethic. I'm not sure about this. We certainly have racism. We got this over here. We got this over here. And, and I'm just going, I'm not, I don't want to belittle any of those. I think all of those are significant. But I think there are more significant issues that, that are laying on top of the church right now. Namely, that we have no idea who God is. Uh, and if you're like, well, I, I mean, I think we do. Sure, here's what I, here would be my guess. Uh, my guess would be if you were to sit down and have a cup of coffee or a beverage of your choosing that I might also delight in with you. <laughs> and I ask you, tell me about God the Father. Oh, man, you'd be like, oh, yeah. That's it. And if I said, tell me about God the Son, you'd be like, yeah, oh, man, Jesus. Just, and then if I ask you about the Holy Spirit, you'd be like, wait, who? That, like, this is a, this is a painful a painful quote from George, George Barna, and, and he's a trusted pollster. Nearly 60% of Americans who regularly attend, that's not Christmas and Easter, that's who regularly attend Christian churches say there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit. They say the Holy Spirit is just a symbol of God's power or presence or purity. Right? That, that means 60% of regular churchgoers in America are non-Trinitarian, which means they're outside of Orthodox Christian understanding of who God is, how we're saved, and what the mission we're on is, and how to pull it off. Right? So if the Holy Spirit becomes an f- impersonal force uh, or some kind of mystical just symbol of God's power and purity, God help us. But he can't because it's God the Holy Spirit that helps you. So here's what I want to do. I just want to inter- Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. I, I believe he's going to come back to this at some point, but uh, God help us. Oh, but he can't because it's the Holy Spirit that helps you. And so if you don't have the Holy Spirit or don't allow for the Holy Spirit to do his work, then you can't get help from God. You can't even know who this Holy Spirit is 
because you don't have the Holy Spirit and you're blocking the Holy Spirit. Does this seem circular to anyone else? Introduce you to my friend. Because here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to, because here's, you start talking about the Holy Spirit, people are like, oh my gosh, tongues, dreams, visions, prophecies. No, the person of the Holy Spirit, right? Yes, he does some things. Yes, he gives some things, but, but he is a person. He is a he, and he is God. And the more we understand that God is triune, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, distinct yet one, we'll have every weapon in the arsenal available to us. And so I just want to talk about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Is, is the Holy Spirit a he? Do we, do, do we have that on good authority? I mean, if Jesus is the Son and he's got a father. Who's the mother? All right, that's what we're going to do today. I just want to introduce you to my guy. We, we see the Holy Spirit like right out of the gate. Right? It's not like you got to wait for Pentecost to, to meet the Holy Spirit. Right? He's just all over the place. He's rushing on people. He's doing, I mean, he's all over the place. Right? Let me, let me show you just right out of the gate. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, it was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit, that's a capital S there in the book, of God. I'm sorry, stop. And the Spirit, that's a capital S in the book. You understand, right, that the, the capital S doesn't mean anything. <laughs> there's there's um no reason to believe that you know whatever the equivalent of a capital was was inserted into the text originally uh things like that are usually the product of translators right but he, he but he's looking at this and he's saying it's a capital s so it must be the Holy Spirit, the, the, you know, the, the third person of the Godhead, which is really weird because the people who would have written that text had no concept of the Trinity. Was hovering over the face of the waters. If you know the story after this, um, that chaos, that according to this, that void, that darkness started to be filled. That the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, starts to order. He starts to make what's beautiful. He starts to arrange and order so that God's glory might be seen and he might be marveled in. Um, this past week, I went up uh, into the mountains with nine other pastors, almost to 14, carrying 50-pound packs. It, it was brutal and awesome. Men need pain. They do. I just swear by it. Women handle pain better, but men need pain to be formed. And if you don't believe me that women handle it better, just ask them, <laughs> right? And, and so we're there. I mean, there's no oxygen. You're kind of working up. And, and one of the, the places we were, the, the place that we kind of made our little base camp before we ascended to the peak, it was a, like a, a mountain lake. We, we didn't see anybody else for, for four days. Didn't see another soul but our little group for four days. And we sweat and we cried and we prayed and we worshiped. We, and um, we're, we're sitting in this, this like mountain lake. I, I, don't, I won't be able to do it justice. And they're just like, like 
2,000 foot, 1,600 foot, something like that, cliff wall right there. And it's just, like it made my heart ache. It was so beautiful. I mean, you could see the sky and the lake. It was like those pictures that can't do the actual place justice. And I'm sitting there, and, and it's the Holy Spirit that ordered and created and worked so that I could gaze upon that beauty and know that there was something bigger than me, that I could gaze upon that beauty and understand the goodness of God. He didn't have to show us beautiful things like that that make our heart ache. He does it because he's good. He does it because he's beautiful. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He takes what is chaotic. He takes what is void. He takes what is formless. And he shapes and he makes beautiful. He, he is also, he is the agent of creation. He is also the source of illumination and power. He is the source of illumination and power. This is Acts 10, 44. I'm, I'm not going to stop every time he commits one of these egregious uh, exegetical acts, but this is horrible exegesis. It's, it's truly, truly uh, horrible. 45. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, to those of the Jews, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. That's anyone who's not a Jew. Now, I, I want to so Peter is preaching. The Holy Spirit falls. And by the way, the, this language around the Spirit is always pretty aggressive, which I like, right? He falls, he rushes, he runs upon, he falls upon, he fills. He's a very, very active member of the Godhead. And, and here what we see is he illuminates. If you are a Christian in this room, you are a Christian because the Holy Spirit showed you your sin and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. That's the only way any of us came in. You didn't come in because you grew up in a Christian home. You didn't come in uh, because you made some sort of decision of your will. You didn't come into the kingdom by force of will or by lineage or by effort. You came in because the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to open reality. You saw it and you surrendered and you fell upon the mercy of God. Okay, so uh, we touched on this earlier. The Holy Spirit is the one that illuminates. You're not a Christian because of your upbringing. You're not a Christian because you studied. Uh, and I think it'll go even uh, deeper on this. Uh, you're, a whole, you're a Christian 100% solely as a gift of the Spirit. So what about those who aren't Christians? Did the Spirit not give the same gift? By the way, uh, since I'm at it, you might hear some banging noises, some bong-type noises. They're not coming from my house. They're coming from outside. I've got uh, a window open because it's really freaking hot in here. You didn't come in any... I didn't come in. You didn't come in. Nobody came in any other way. The Holy Spirit illuminates, and, and he doesn't just illuminate for salvation, but he also uh, illuminates so we even understand who God is. Uh, we read it earlier in John 14, uh, but... We've got a, a, a teacher. Jesus said, I'm going to send to you a helper, and he's going to remind you. He's going to teach you. Look at, look at me. If the Bible feels all locked up to you, the Bible feels like, oh, God, I've been trying for years. It just can't get the flipping thing to unlock for me. I mean, I've done the study. I've got my little journal and pen and got my space, and I've got my, I'm opening it up and reading, and it's like, ugh. 
Because it's the Holy Spirit that makes the Word of God come alive. It's the Holy Spirit that illuminates the Word of God, showing you Jesus most clearly, creating in your heart the joy and the vitality given to you by the sacrifice of Christ. You can't understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit. You just can't. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm trying to get away from this point, but he's really hammering it. You can't understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit. So if you are someone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, it does not matter what your terminal degrees are. It doesn't matter how much you read the Bible. It doesn't matter how well you study the Bible. It doesn't matter how sincerely you approach the Bible. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't understand the Bible. We've talked a little bit about this over uh, on Patreon, uh, over on Red Letters, patreon.com slash red letters. That's patreon.com slash red letters. We, uh, we have conversations like that because we're discussing all things Jesus. We're going through uh, my book, Red Letters, A Closer Look at the Worst Practical and Moral Teachings in History. It can be yours for the low, low price of free. Just go over, sign up for Patreon, grab your free copy. Uh, you can cancel anytime. Uh, it's roughly a dollar a week. Some weeks I don't do a podcast, so it's really a dollar a show. And that only includes main shows, not supplementals. And so there, there'll never be more than one paid show per week and sometimes less. <laughs> so um, uh, go over there, check it out. It's a lot of fun. The conversations are great. Uh, and we have talked about uh, this a little bit uh, over there. Uh, the back catalog is completely open to everybody. And so he he says this thing that is completely incomprehensible. It, it, it kind of mirrors, though, something that Jesus says that is also completely uh, incomprehensible. You know why you don't understand the parables? Because Jesus didn't want you to. Jesus didn't want you to understand the parables. He says so himself. He says it directly. There's no really getting around that. There, he doesn't want some people to understand the parables. And if you're one of the people who don't understand the parables, you're probably one of the people that he didn't want to understand them. And this guy is saying the same thing, but in broader terms. And this also uh, echoes something that Paul uh, also says about this spiritual versus the unspiritual person. The unspiritual person uh, will not understand spiritual things. They're foolishness to him. Only the spiritual person will understand spiritual things. I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to preach a sermon here. I'm not trying to add uh, more sermons to the sermon. I'm just trying to say that if what this person is saying sounds strange to you, it's actually quite orthodox, or at least quite biblical. You can find uh, this elsewhere in the New Testament, uh, besides what he's talking about here. And the idea is you don't even understand the Bible. You can't understand God's Word. It does not matter. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're never going to get it. And so reading the Bible and understanding the Bible, it's not a purely human thing. It requires and involves magic. And so if your trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Scriptures, you're in a lot of trouble because you're never going to understand the third person of the trinity. Your trinity, which isn't the biblical trinity, but you wouldn't know that because the Holy Spirit can't help you understand the Bible because you don't think he exists. Or if he does, you just wish he'd stop being so weird. I mean, I'd like the Holy Spirit. It just seems wild, man. It seems out of control. It's like that crazy uncle. You, just know, you don't know what he's showing up with. You know this to be true. Have you ever um, 
watched a show on the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, or, or have some PhD talk to you about the Bible, and it's just like, gosh, are we reading the same book? Look at me. We're not. And that's why you can memorize the book of Romans, and if you're a jerk, you've never read the book of Romans. Because the fruit of the illuminating work of God on the book is to make you more like Jesus, which means if your life isn't marked by love, you've never read the Bible. If you're not growing in a love for Jesus that flows on those around you, I'm telling you, I don't care if you got it memorized, you had not read it. The illuminating power of the Holy Spirit over the Bible. He's what unlocks the scriptures. If you feel jammed up, you feel stuck, you feel like you can't get it open, I wonder what would happen is as you opened it, if you went, Spirit, will you help me see? Will you, get, will you read this with me, Holy Spirit? I'm okay, I'm, I'm sorry. So more magic here. So you've got to... Uh, You've got to invoke some kind of verbal incantation directed to the Spirit to get the Spirit to unlock the Bible and explain to you the things that you previously didn't understand. Let's try it. Holy Spirit, I read the Bible more than your so-called uh, Christian family does. And there are parts of it that I don't understand. And so would you please, Holy Spirit, would you please grant this fervent and faithful Bible reader the understanding that he so desires? Would you unlock the scriptures for me, Holy Spirit? Okay, let me go read some of those parables now and see if they read a little differently. I earnestly want to know and love Jesus. I feel stuck. Show me, open my eyes, reveal to me. That's the way you actively read the living and active word. Not like an academic or trying to outline. I love outlines, all that stuff. I'm not trying to you know, do this kind of either or. I'm just telling you, I don't think you can read the Bible without the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. You'll always interpret it wrong. You'll always apply it wrong. You'll always misunderstand it. And it'll puff you up and make you a jerk. Rather, and I'm not saying that so you'd avoid it. Well, I don't want to be a jerk. Yeah, I don't want you to be a jerk either, which is why I'm asking you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you do the good work of communing with God in the Scriptures and be shaped and formed by them, but you cannot do that without the Spirit. It's not just illumination, though. It's also power. It's also power. I want to talk about power the way the Bible does. Look at this. This is our text. This is John 14, 16 through 18. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Listen to this. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Hey, look at me. You ever felt like an orphan? You know what I mean by that? Let me, let me talk to the men for a second. I'll circle back. Men, you, you ever feel like you just always got to flip and figure it out? That no one's there to kind of show you like what it means or how to do it or like you get in marriage and you're just like, guess I got to figure it out or at work, you just got to figure it out. You just got to make it happen. You just got to fix it. You just got to get it. You ever look at your kids and just be like, got to figure them out. You just feel this weight of always having to figure things out and feeling like you're ill-equipped and, and not trained and you just feel like you're just kind of screwing up and keep trying to just move forward. You ever, you ever feel like that, men? 
You ever feel like, Dad Gummin, I wish somebody had taught me more? Hey, raise your hand seriously. If you've ever felt like that as a man, look at that. That's all of us and a bunch of liars. <laughs> now, here's what the book just said I will not leave you as an orphan, I will help you, I will send to you a helper that the world does not know because they cannot see him, they have not received him, but you, you will have a helper forever. Okay. Um, never mind the exegesis uh, here. This is, a, this is a type of victim blaming. Uh, this type of preacher does this a lot. He's done it a lot in this sermon already. If you are having a problem, it's your fault. If you're having trouble... Uh, reaching God and feeling connected is your fault. If you're having trouble understanding Scripture, even though you're studying it with all of your your faculties, it's your fault. And the, the thing that you're doing wrong, at least for this sermon, I'm sure that he tailors this to whatever sermon he's preaching out, uh, about, but the thing you're doing wrong here is you are not invoking the magical uh, Holy Spirit incantation and, uh, and and then trying to do it through him. That's your fault. But it's, it strikes me that when a person becomes a Christian, any Christians listening to this and who usually lurk, jump in the comments and correct me if I'm wrong, you receive the Holy Spirit as a free gift, right? You get the Holy Spirit as a part of the package. So whether you are cognizantly aware of it or not, you still get the Holy Spirit as a package. And so if you are feeling like, well, I just got to figure it out. If, if that's how you're feeling about things, doesn't that mean that the Holy Spirit isn't doing shit in the lives of Christians? Brothers, you have not been abandoned to figure it all out. We need each other. We need reliance and dependence. And the Holy Spirit is that helper. Sisters, terrible time to be a woman, I think. And if you're like, well, how would you know? It's a legitimate question. Not by experience. When I think about the pressure on you as a woman in 2021, to be strong enough and fierce enough, but at the same time, raise these babies and figure out this guy that, that I'm married to or figure out how to be a woman in the workplace or figure out, and all the while, Instagram just showing you that you're constantly a failure. Your body isn't pretty enough. You're not good enough uh, wife. You're not a good enough mother. You're not a good enough woman. You're not, right? You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not always. What if I said, no, you got help. Um, when my kids were younger, um, the house was a little chaotic. If you can imagine what this is like, and if you know Lauren with that, and you pop out three like little psychopath tornadoes, and you, like, right, you, you're just like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? How do you do this? And if you've got multiple kids, there's different levels of receptivity around authority, amen? Not, not all of them are like, whatever you say, Father. And so, like, how do you approach this one? What do you do with this one? How do you come at this one? And you're just like, golly, nobody's written a book on that, and the people that have wrote a book on it just make me feel shameful. They all had, like, kids that came out of the womb smoking a pipe and reading Mozart or something. 
and then, and then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm failing. What do I do? I will not leave you as an orphan. I will help you. Sisters, you have help. You have help. Brothers, you got help. We have power. This is the verse you probably thought I was going to use. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So, so we have power. We have help. And then I, I love this passage because this passage is an invitation into the life of Jesus. Look at me, because I gotta, I gotta tease something out here. Although the Holy Spirit wants you to see and marvel at Jesus and worship him, the invitation that you have received is not to see him as an outsider where you perceive his life and try to measure up. The invitation from the Holy Spirit is to come into the life of Christ itself. Do you remember when we were preaching through the book of Revelation, how Revelation ends, that there's no temple uh, there, there's no convergent space when all things are said and done. Why? Because we've been drawn completely into the life of the triune God of the universe with all his delight, with all his joy, with all his love, a physical entrance into the Godhead. Well, the invitation for that's right now. Right? Come into the life of Christ. This isn't white-knuckled, let me. This is come and experience the life of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that brings that. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. Now, this is, uh, well, maybe this would, this would help. Um, I, I think, I believe, I'm a really good communicator. I've got 20-something years of experience. I'm self-aware to know that God gave me a little something. And despite the fact that I think I can hold your attention for 40, 45 minutes, week in and week out, I can't motivate you to change anything past that parking lot. Huh? Like, I know that. Like, even those of you who are like, man, that was incredible. I'm like, thank you. But, but I know most of you are going to leave whatever I drop out here in this parking lot. And we'll come sweep it up afterwards. Right? But if the Holy Spirit, but if the Holy Spirit illuminates, opens, engages, we could all leave here different. Like, I oftentimes wonder what it would be like if we actually believed that and you came in here expecting it. Like, what would that look like? Right? Like, if you walked in here and you were like, the presence and power of God, which is my next point, is going to be here today, and he's got something for me. And that's not always some, like, flitty, emotional, don't let anyone who's a bit more charismatic than you jam the Holy Spirit into hyper-sentiment. Don't let him do it. The Holy Spirit sometimes works really quietly over a long period of time. Now, don't get me wrong. I love to get ambushed by Jesus. Oh, no. Now I've got a title controversy. Punch Satan in the mouth or ambushed by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I love me a good Holy Ghost ambushing. You know, you're just minding your own business. Like, Bam! And I'll say, ah, ah, ah. like, I love that. I wish that was all the time, but it's not. It's slow, methodical, purposeful, deconstructing you, reconstructing you, shaping, chiseling over a long period of time. What would it be like if we walked in and we were like, 
we're in the presence of God. Hey, just for, you know, title's sake, does, does anyone know how to spell? <laughs> Third thing. He is the presence and activity of God in the church and in our personal lives. The Holy Spirit is the presence and activity of God in the church and in our individual lives. So let me, let me show you this quickly. I'm going to do this one actually really quickly. I've preached through this verse, these verses a ton in the last couple of years because it's, I want us to be an Acts 13 church. Let's look at this again. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Listen to this quote by J.I. Packer. Were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, there'd be no faith, no church, no Christianity in the world at all. What you and I are doing right here is supernatural. What you and I are doing right here, it's supernatural. It's no. not, the, the reason why I don't care if you can take good notes off me or not, that's like been one of the critiques. They're like, hey, it'd be helpful if you know, we could have some fill in the blanks and, and, and we could fill in, and then like, you know, a week or two later, like, oh, what's that he said? We could look at our notes. But I don't, I don't know that I'm ultimately trying to give you outlines. I'm, I'm pleading with the Holy Spirit to do something in the deeper parts of you things that you don't need to recall by digging up notes six months later. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying when I'm coming in here, I'm not primarily trying to give you intellectual information. I'm asking the Spirit of God to... I'm not trying to give you intellectual information. Let me write that down. This title page is getting full. Off ...a nuclear bomb in your soul. That's what, because when we've gathered, did you see it? They've gathered, the Holy Spirit's down, they're praying, they're fasting, community is being formed. Why do you think Molly couldn't sing her song this morning? Why do you think she's sitting over there weeping? Because this is family. God's done that. Why are we so loyal to that? Because we've bled together. We've heard, why was I heart sick a couple of weeks ago watching my Johnny preach here? Why did I go, I gotta get back? Well, gosh, because we've bled together. We've suffered together. We've rejoiced together. We've experienced God in this place. We've watched him heal diseases. We've watched him save our family members and friends. We've watched the Holy Spirit do all this, and he forms us. We become this community. The, the presence and power of God is here through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. It, it doesn't really bear this interruption, but you, you watch the Holy Spirit heal diseases. Did anyone have a camera rolling at the time? It's not just in church, but it's also in our lives. Look at this, Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, that's little s, spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit, capital S, of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, a lot of times uh, when I read like sons, I'll go and daughters, but the reason why sons is mentioned, and particularly around our primary identity in God, is because God wants you to know, ladies, you inherit it all also. 
and that the inheritance doesn't, doesn't go to the firstborn son. It goes to all the children of God. So delight in being a son in that you get to receive your inheritance. How is that some kind of excuse for not mentioning ladies? It's, maybe rewind that and listen to it again, and someone tell me what the heck he's talking about. Right? So, so what we see happening in this, this passage, it's all about primary identity. I, I don't have a spirit of fear, which leads to slavery, but, but I have a spirit of sonship by which I call out Abba. Father. Now, there's two things going on in that little Abba Father line. Uh, oftentimes, if you read a commentary, you read a book, they'll point out that this word Abba, it's, a, it's like, it means intimacy or, or connectivity, or there's like this, like I know him and he knows me and there's an intimacy. He's not a far off kind of like second cousin. That's daddy. Right? But, but the second thing that is, is in this word in the Greek is not just that you have an intimate relationship with the Father but did you understand how powerful he is? And, and the way I think this plays out, and, and again, I don't know if girl, little girls do this. I know little boys do it. Um, if, like there would always be this thing that would devolve down into my dad can beat up your dad. Right, girls, did you do that? Like if some little girl was like mouthing you at the playground, you're like, oh yeah, I'll go get my dad. He'll body slam the soul out of your dad. <laughs> Y'all didn't say that to other girls. Girls, ladies, did you, is there ever a my dad can beat up your dad kind of thing? Okay, two of you. All right, great. I love you. Hey, listen, I, I, love me some, I love me some strong, ferocious women. Now, part of what's going on in this passage is, yes, I have this intimate relationship with God, but because I've got that, inner, that, that intimate relationship with God, what can you do to me? You see my dad? What are you going to do, say mean things about me? Like, you're little, you're not this, you're this, you do this, you're ignorant here, you shouldn't do this, is crushed under the divine, eternal, this is my son. Right? Like, what can you do? Are you going to kill me? To tie his game? Are you going to say mean things about me? The voice from heaven should drown out the accusations of both the enemy and those the enemy uses to try to wound and distract us. You with me? This is how the Spirit works in our life. I'm a son of God. Now, when you don't understand that this is your primary identity, man, the accusations of the enemy, the lies and the deceit of the enemy just will rip you to shreds. It'll rob you, brothers. It'll rob you from the dignity that is yours as a man. Ladies, it will rob you from the delight and dignity of being a daughter of the king. It'll rob you. You will agree and rob. So what I'm always trying to do as I read my Bible, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to show me. I'm always looking for ammunition against that nonsense. And so I was up on, I'm just Bible reading plan. I'm in Revelation, which is really cool. <laughs> and, and I'm reading, like side of the mountain, man. I'm, I'm reading my Bible. It's freezing cold. I don't know if you've ever felt that. It's been a while. It was awesome. See my breath. And, and, and I read this, to the one who conquers your name will be written as a pillar in the temple of God. Now, I'm not, the Holy Spirit's like, put that in the gun. So I was like, <laughs> and now I'm just waiting, right? I'm, not, I'm being serious. You're giggling. I'm telling you, this is how I've learned, right? So now all I'm waiting for is, and you're kind of a disappointment. You probably should have studied that a little bit more before you said that. Man, that, that's a really complex situation. Hey, maybe this, maybe that, maybe that. I'm like, ha! 
I'm a pillar in the house of my God. Right? Like what kind of accurate, like right? And then you want to talk about stirring up kind of inner masculinity. I'm a pillar? You serious right now? Like what can Satan do to me? What can you do to me? I'm a pillar in the temple of my God. Right? That's how you fight. That, that's what's been given to you. The Spirit pours this confidence in you as he illuminates the Word of God, lets you marvel at the finished work of Jesus, and lead you into the mission that God has for you. We see this here, too, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it, guys. We're going to end this sermon quasi on time. There's a betting pool, and maybe I, maybe I bet on myself. Maybe I didn't. 1 Corinthians 6.19. Hear it. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within whom, within you, whom you have from God. Now, I, I know this verse. You know how I heard this verse? I heard this verse uh, about smoking and drinking. Anybody else? Like, oh, hey, you better not do that. Your body is the Holy, your temple of the Holy God. I, I believe that you need to be a good steward of your physical being. I do. I, I think... You should be a good steward of this physical body. That's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about convergent space. Do you remember that idea from Revelation? Those places where heaven and earth collide and you get this place where both heaven and earth are present in a very unique and powerful way. If we go back and we look at the story, it's the building of the tabernacle. And in the building of the tabernacle, you got the, the, the inner sanctum, that holy of holies, where once a year, one person got to go into the presence of God and make atonement for the rest of the nation. And then you had the temple built and the Holy Spirit falls on the temple in the innermost place. And one person got to go in and in that inner sanctum, got to make sacrifices for the nation and then get back out of there. And at the crucifixion, of Jesus Christ, the veil that separated that inner sanctum from the rest of the world was torn from the top to the bottom. And this passage says, look at me, you are convergent space. I don't have to travel to Jerusalem. I'm here. And the same spirit that dwelt in the tabernacle, that dwelt in the temple, dwells in here dwells in there. You are convergent space. You are the place where heaven and earth collide. And so to make this about gravy, to make this about secondhand smoke, and I'm not saying those aren't issues. I'm saying let the text bear its weight on you. Right? Like there, there's a place to talk about secondhand smoke. There's a place to talk about managing the body well. But what's more compelling? Huh? What's more, like convergent space, the creator God of the universe dwelling inside of you? Or I wouldn't have another role. Your body is a temple of the holy God. I'd go for a walk. But you hear, like I'm, I'm making a point. You're giggling, but I bet you 90% of the room has only thought about that verse that way since the first time you heard it. You see where the Holy Spirit's wanting to put some umph in your guts? And instead we're just like, oh man. Just give me the veggie pizza, please, with the cauliflower crust. And, the, and again, take good care of yourself. Like we got a big fight ahead of us. Let's, let's, be, let's be in the best shape we can. But this, guys, this is convergent space. This is the spirit of the living God dwelling inside of you. What? Are you serious? Yeah, that's what I keep asking myself. Are you serious? Okay. 
Do you feel stuck in your relationship with Jesus? Feel stuck in your love for him? You feel like life right now is chaotic, maybe lifeless? The Holy Spirit wants to bring order and vitality to that chaos and that weariness. Like, what would it be like to actually let go? Maybe even if we don't even know what it is we're all torqued up about. See, perfect love drives out fear. I think the fear and anxiety that racks so many of us exist because we don't quite understand that this is available. And if you're like, well, technically, you know, anxiety can be tied to this, this, this. Sure, 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 sure. But at the same time, if the Holy Spirit, the God of the universe dwells inside of me, what do I have to fear? What the book says is, what can man do to me? But to do that, you gotta kind of be dialed into the spirit. You can't be listening to the lies of the enemy. Right, I could be dialed into, no, 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 I'm secure. No, I'm loved. No, 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 I'm delighted. And I've got to believe that what the Bible says about me is more true than what I say about me. Because you know who knows me best? Me. That's why this is hard to believe. That's why it's hard to surrender to, because I know me. I mean, gosh, I spent most of my adult life thinking that Jesus was making some kind of mistake and he was gonna wake up one day and go, dang it, that was the wrong, that was the wrong mat. It was a different mat. Like, you can, you can look at me funny, but you believe that about you? Like, man, I know me. I, you couldn't write to me something, some way I've disappointed you or some way you wish I would have this, which, that, that could match my own critique. And that's true about you. And this is why I need to know what the book says about me. I need the Holy Spirit to load the gun with it. And then I need to be prepared to squeeze the trigger. Right? You feel lifeless. You feel void was the word in Genesis. Like, do this with me. Never I'm not going to make it. Let's do this. Why don't you just grip your fist as hard as you can? All of you, just do it. I know this is like, we, we don't do this in the church I'm from. You're fine. Even if you're home, just grip, like, until your knuckles turn white. All right, you got it? I want you to just take a deep breath and then just let go of your hands. This is the offer from the Holy Spirit on the table. Surrender. Let go. Trust. I delight in you. Do you remember when, if you have kids or you babysit and gone swimming and you're trying to coax the kid off the side to jump in the water? Do you remember that? No, nobody did that. You just chuck your kid in the pool. No, like there's this thing that happened. All three of my kids, and they had varying levels of fear around that. Where I'm in the water, I'm like, come on, jump to me. Jump. I had one that was like, woo! You know, I had one that was like, oh. and then I just had one that was like, mm, no, mm, mm. And, and yet, each time when they finally hopped in the water, it's just one of the greatest feelings ever. And then they trust you, and then they want to get out and do it again, and get out and do it again. And then you kind of got that regret going, and you're like, I'm not going to make it. I need to be hydrated. I need something to eat. And the kids just, this is how the Holy Spirit's inviting you into the water. It's by faith. You take a step of faith. You jump in. Let's ask him, do you live with a spirit of fear? The Holy Spirit wants to show you the Father's delight in you through Jesus. Do you see and understand the power and presence of God at work in your life?
No. If not, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. It is not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Scriptures. It is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when worshiped for who he is, we are set free to cause a lot of problems in the kingdom of darkness. So so here's what I want you to do. I want you to just kind of bow your heads, close your eyes. You don't have to be a Christian to do what we're about to do. Here comes another incantation. Everything doesn't need to be going your way. Just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Mm. Now I want you to just kind of cup your hands in front of you. Mm -hmm. Just cup them like somebody's about to pour something in there. Mm. I I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe the Bible does feel all locked up for you. Maybe you do feel um, void right now and lifeless. I want you to begin to ask the Holy Spirit directly into whatever that is. Maybe you're struggling with addiction or you're struggling with a specific sin and and you just feel like you don't have the power to overcome it. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit for his help. Ask the Holy Spirit for his power. Is there an incantation? Do I just make it up? The Spirit of the living God, you know every story in this room, mm. every wound, every hurt, every bit of deceit, mm. every struggle. I just pray by the mercy of God that you would pour your power and illuminating work into these lives. Why do you have to pray for that? That chaos be driven out for form. Doesn't he do that anyway? Fear be driven out with love. I, I pray. No, I'm, so, I'm sorry. What, why are you, why do you have to pray for this? Why? Why do you have to pray for this? It's like uh, buying a product and then praying for customer service. If the product includes three years of free customer service, you don't have to pray for it. <laughs> you know, uh, why are you why are you praying as if this is something that the people in this room don't already have? If they don't already have it, then I'd say their package was tampered with when they became a Christian because they should have gotten the spirit. Uh, in the first place, do they get a broken batch of spirit? How does this work? What are you talking about? None of this makes any sense. I can't stand it anymore. Okay, look, um, I, I usually cut this off before the closing prayers, uh, partly because uh, it's, it's just nonsense and partly because it just drives me into a tizzy. So here's the tizzy. You get to see it here. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope that you uh, get to know my friend, you know, my guy. <laughs> Holy Spirit, Uh, if uh, you have tried these incantations and if they have worked for you in any way at all, please let me know, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. You can send me an email, skepticsandseekers at gmail.com, and we'll see you next time. Broken. Whoops. (laughs)